Hi, I'm Amy Ellis, the host of this podcast, The Humanitarian Engineer. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Jordan Ermilio, the director of Villanova University's new Center for Humanitarian Engineering and International Development. In this podcast, you'll get a glimpse into the work Villanova students are doing within the center, and you'll hear from students, partners, and in-country experts as they share their personal experiences and passions as they relate to service. Today, Jordan will discuss the launch of the new center, and we'll get to hear a little bit about his background and passion for humanitarian engineering. Jordan, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. So let's talk a little bit about the center. What was your objective in creating this center, Jordan? How did, how did it get started? So the, the Center for Humanitarian Engineering and International Development um, is really an outgrowth of the Villanova Engineering Service Learning Program. So, so well over 15 years, uh, the College of Engineering, students, faculty, staff uh, have been engaged with partners all over the world. Uh, at the present time, we have 16 partners in 12 different countries. Um, and that work still continues. Uh, but, but the really important part of this center is really to integrate uh, that work with additional curriculum as well as research. So really, uh, one of the main goals of our center is to uh, establish research projects with our partner organizations and really look at sustainability uh, from a very holistic point of view and to further our curricular efforts with undergraduate and graduate students. And why do you think it feels like the right time to start something like this? Well, I think it's a really interesting time uh, in, in, in history and, and certainly education has been changing for several years, uh, but it's, it's strange how academic institutions are sort of slow to embrace that change. Uh, Villanova, it it's, has a different feel to it. And at the end of the day, uh, Villanova is a very lean and, and sort of, I'd describe it as a lean and mean type of institution uh, and where we sort of adapt to changing circumstances on, on a regular basis, in particular in, in the engineering program. So, so as education changes, um, you know, I think the rest of the world and the, the rest of society is really starting to appreciate how education is more than just about information and knowledge, but it's also about the overall experience, uh, particularly given the, the current circumstances with the global pandemic and COVID-19. Um, you know, people are really starting to appreciate more and more how academic experience really matters and the networks that created and the relationships that get developed uh, while at, a, at an academic institution are really equally as important as the overall education. Um, and so when you kind of look at that experience as a whole, uh, you know, you have to start to ask yourself, what kind of experiences can we provide to students? And in our program in the center, um, we're really trying to provide global experiences. Uh, really look at global challenges and, and provide students with the opportunity to engage with partners and communities internationally uh, and really try to understand the challenges that exist in a global context, particularly from a, from a very grassroots on the ground point of view. So what, uh, what is humanitarian engineering and how does it relate to international development? This is a really interesting question, and, and honestly, uh, part of me really wondered whether or not we should call the center humanitarian engineering and community development instead of international development. Right. Um, but really, a lot of my prior experience uh, being international and community development in an international setting and, and being an engineer myself, um, you know, my, my passion particularly is in, 
in terms of the international development, community development in an international setting. Um, but ultimately, I think you could sort of substitute that international development for community development if you wanted to frame the center in, in a different way. Um, but at some level, all engineering is humanitarian, right? Mm -hmm. In most cases, uh, engineers are really uh, engaged in providing services uh, and, and doing design that improves people's lives or improves society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Now, in, so in, at some level, all engineering is, is, is humanitarian or humanistic, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, in the context of education, you know, humanitarian engineering really differentiates itself from other types of engineering, civil, mechanical, electrical, uh, chemical, in that uh, there's a common thread around designing for people that live in low-income communities. Uh, this is often referred to as uh, designing for the bottom of the pyramid or the economic, the bottom of the economic pyramid. I don't particularly like that terminology. Mm -hmm. uh, they prefer to talk about low-income communities or developing communities. Um, but in, in our program specifically, uh, we partner with organizations that are nonprofit in nature. So mm -hmm. in some sense, the humanitarian engineering side entails uh, working with nonprofit organizations or, or non-government organizations, NGOs. Um, and we also work with development agencies. And those particular partners are really experts in community development. Um, now, I think something that really frames our humanitarian engineering initiatives is uh, some of the ethical principles that we're really focused on in that uh, we, we firmly believe that empowering the local communities to address their own needs is a really, really essential element of long-term sustainability. In fact, we use this terminology, uh, local solutions for local problems, um, and we really teach our students uh, to respect and appreciate the local context uh, and to really look at local community members as experts in their own development. Um, so we really try to, to, to highlight the importance of the, the local context and the expertise that exists within the communities when we're addressing these challenges. That's a really interesting way to look at it. And I think that leads me to my next question. What misconceptions do you think people have about the nature of this work? I think there's a lot of things that really uh, are important to highlight there. And, and, and one thing is certainly, um, you know, the, the local context always being a very, very important element in, in any type of uh, engineering intervention or engineering design. Um, but one thing that really is all, often strikes me is when you, when you talk to people uh, about this type of work, um, you know, they have almost like a, a bit of a bleeding heart type of charitable mentality about it. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, uh, you know, the, the communities that we're working in are also sort of uh, engaged in partnership, right? It's, it's so much more than just charity. Right. Um, and, and very often the, the charitable aspect of it could even undermine sustainability. Um, so when you're working in, in partnership with, with communities, rather than sort of in a uh, power dynamic that includes some kind of uh, beneficiary and, and sort of deliverer, uh, someone who's delivering service and someone's benefiting from that service. Um, you know, I tried to change that, that dialogue quite a bit. Right. Um, and, you know, we're not talking about beneficiaries per se, right? Where a lot of development challenges and charitable initiatives talk about how many beneficiaries are there. Uh, we really talk about our, our partners and the communities that we serve as, as customers, 
uh, and we're really engaged in partnership in that way. And, and another thing that really is one of those misconceptions is that you know, the, the local communities don't have the capacity to, to, to make a difference or to change uh, their, their quality of life, when in fact, it's, it's not that at all. It's, it's really the, the resources and, and the catalyst for that change, uh, which is needed. Um, mm -hmm. Necessarily, um, you know, it's not, it's not an intellectual capacity issue. Uh, it's not a work ethic issue in, in a lot of um, poverty alleviation efforts or a lot of developing communities. It has nothing to do with uh, intellectual ability uh, or, or diligence and, and, and uh, hard work. Uh, it really just has to, the difference of that, that catalyst for change that's sometimes missing, which is very often what we bring to the table. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved in humanitarian engineering? So, so this, I think this is a pretty interesting story and I, and I always encourage uh, students and, and other people that I engage with to, to think this way. Um, but, but to be honest with you, um, when I was, you know, in my early 20s, uh, I really struggled a little bit with, uh, well, struggled quite a bit with sort of what I wanted to do with the rest of my life type of thing, right? Those type of questions. Um, and, you know, I always encourage people to, to really pray meditate and really reflect a lot on, on what's motivating them, right? It's not just prayer or meditation or reflect, but it's all of it, right? Um, and it's not so much in a religious way, but more of a just a personal, um, you know, self-awareness way. Um, and so I encourage people to do that. And, and I encourage people to come up with usually three criteria of, of things that really motivate them. Um, and then, of course, the next step is once you sort of establish that and you can own that and sort of that self-awareness about really what motivates you, uh, it's the, the next challenge is to say yes to every single opportunity that presents those three criteria. Uh, and in my mind and, and in my life, uh, when I was in my 20s, it was I wanted it to be engineering. You know, I studied my butt off at Villanova uh, and, and to get my undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. and um, I really wanted to, 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 to do something with engineering. Uh, the other thing was I wanted it to be humanitarian in nature. Um, and the third was I wanted it to be uh, international and multicultural immersive in nature. Uh, so, so that led me to the Peace Corps. Um, so coming out of, of my undergraduate uh, program, when I, when I finished my, my undergraduate degree, I joined the Peace Corps. Uh, I lived in the Philippines for three years as a Peace Corps volunteer. Um, and, and just continued to say yes to those type of opportunities. And, and in fact, that led me to uh, work with Oxfam International and East Timor, um, ultimately led me back to Villanova to do my master's degree. And, and while I was doing my master's degree, uh, a group of students approached me who wanted to start a, uh, a nonprofit initiative in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. uh, and well, you know, my timeline had not expired on the 10 years of saying yes. And <laughs> I just started saying yes and continued to do so. And, and, I, and I've kind of been doing that now for well, well over 20 years. Okay, so what are some things that we can expect to see with the center? And what are some, I guess, what are some things that you're most looking forward to doing? So, so I think without a doubt, you know, really further engagement with our, our, our partners and communities uh, that they serve. Uh, is something that we're all really looking forward to. Um, I think, again, sort of to rehash something that I said earlier, but, you know, the opportunity to integrate research as a service, uh, you know, basically providing research services to 
uh, partner organizations in a global context is something that's really exciting for us. Um, we've been recruiting grad students uh, into our program uh, with scholarships um, who have prior experience doing humanitarian work. Um, so we've been able to really connect the dots between uh, undergraduate students and graduate students uh, in terms of research and design uh, services. So it's been really exciting and, and we're really looking forward to, to continuing that type of collaboration and furthering uh, that, that type of collaboration. But, but I think one thing that really kind of jumps out when you talk about this type of work, mm -hmm. uh, interesting because engineers will often uh, address a particular technical problem uh, with, with, by, by defining a scope, right? By looking at the technical constraints, by uh, defining the deliverables, uh, by putting together a schedule of, of deliverables and trying to put together a, a design of some kind. Mm -hmm. uh, at some point in that overall process, uh, the engineer, right, the humanitarian engineer, if you will, uh, ultimately realizes that in order to have a successful project, they need to build certain relationships. Uh, and it's sort of that engagement with the local stakeholders, with the partners, uh, and the, 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 the government officials, and, and, and across the board. Right? Mm -hmm. so it's really about you know, the success of the project ultimately hinges on successful relationships. Um, but the really interesting thing that happens, uh, and this is where some of those humanitarian engineers that, that engage further and further and further in these type of problems starts to appreciate that eventually the project goes away, but the relationships continue. Um, and, and eventually you're almost, you know, at first you thought that, you know, that you wanted to build the relationships for the sake of the project. But it turns out that the projects were really just a tool for building relationships. Uh, so that's something that I think we're all really looking forward to is sort of that further uh, relationship building side of this and, and really trying to address these, these complex global challenges in, in a very fundamental, holistic way. So what are your goals for this, for this podcast, Jordan? So I, I think we're, we're really trying to use uh, this particular podcast as a tool uh, for addressing some of these concerns and some of these challenges that we have in, in academia um, in terms of sort of adding uh, context to the challenges for students. Um, but the way that we're going to do that is going to be really interesting. Uh, we're going to be launching a series of, of episodes of, of podcasts, all of which will provide some, some brief background information about some of, the, some of the challenges and the sort of some of the sustainability challenges, whether they're social, technical, economic, environmental or political challenges. Uh, to, so to provide a short, brief background about some of the challenges that our partners face. Uh, of course, we'll dive into uh, the, the technical constraints and some of the technical issues that our engineering teams, the humanitarian engineer, uh, so to speak, really, really faces. And then I think the third piece, the third um, episode in, in these different series, are really gonna bring to light what the human challenge is. Um, and the humanistic side of it by, by interviewing local partners and local uh, customers, stakeholders, and so on. Um, so really our, our goal with this is to, to ultimately be a voice for those communities, uh, our partners, our friends, our people that have become uh, fa like family to us uh, over the years, and, and, and give them a voice as well in, in all of the challenges that they face. Wonderful. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me again, Jordan.
My pleasure. We'll be back in a few weeks with part one of our first three-part series that takes us to a refugee camp in Matamoros, Mexico. I'll talk to some key stakeholders about their role in addressing the water, sanitation, and hygiene challenges for the residents there. Thank you for listening to The Humanitarian Engineer.